You're listening to a classic business podcast as heard on Classic 1027. 1027. It's day 196 of the world's most stringent, economically damaging, irrational and disproportionate lockdowns. And as always, the brand father, Jeremy Sampson, MD of Brand Finance Africa, is on the line to wrap up uh, the week in brands and reputation. Good evening, Jeremy. Hello, Michael. I had to laugh at that uh, news report about the Jacob Zuma Foundation uh, accusing Raymond Zondo of trying to sully the former president's reputation, as if um, we need Raymond Zondo to do that. Well, I think we've said before that Raymond Zondo is very slow, he's very meticulous, he grinds finely, but thank goodness for him. What he's pulled out of the shadows uh, in the last two years, and he hasn't finished by a long way. And it actually shows you that there's almost an air of panic uh, in the Zuma camp now, as they realise that they're running out of runway, that this isn't going to weigh, they're going to be called to account. And uh, by calling them to account, then it could get extremely uh, unpleasant for the previous uh, president. It, it has uh, been a good week for uh, corruption busting, hasn't it? Uh, Shamila Batoi has also um, ground quite slowly. I think uh, the, the criticism has been fair that the MPA has taken its time, but uh, hopefully the fact that it has taken its time will now mean that these arrests lead to prosecutions of um, uh, Edwin Sodi, the uh, entrepreneur, uh, uh, sorry, 10 entrepreneur and uh, flash car fan, uh, as well as all of those uh, related to the asbestos tender. We now just await um, one secretary general of the ANC. Very interesting to see what's happening there and the machinations at uh, Iqbal Survey's independent group. Uh, there's a uh, well, uh, <laughs> there, there's a, a non-secretary, if ever there was one, the independent group right now. Uh, but it's the old tactics, the Bell Pottinger tactics that are rising to the surface again. Misinformation, leaking a story before the, the hawk swoop, and then uh, following, uh, following on to see what kind of support you get. And I think the one thing for me is uh, to see how little support the Secretary General is actually getting. In fact, there was a video going viral this week of the police minister um, saying that uh, he basically has no support inside the party. No, it is very interesting, as you say, how it's emerged. Just to come back to that businessman in Branson, Mr. Sondi, I don't know if you saw the video on uh, Twitter of his garage, if I can call it that, and all the cars. It was quite amazing. Unbelievable is the sort of thing that anyone would salivate, although how you can drive a dozen cars like that, I, I have no idea. But then, as you say, when you bring it up to date, I think the goodwill is ebbing away, well, ebbing away very fastly from uh, the Secretary General. Um, it was interesting to see uh, the small renter crowd that came up from the ANC Youth League from the Free State this morning outside Latuli House. But it was a very, very small uh, token. And uh, I think the time is coming, and it should have come months and months and months ago, but the time is coming where he's going to be held to account. I just can't think that they've taken everyone just about into custody apart from him. So he's standing there, and I wouldn't have thought he's sleeping too well in his home in Paris at the moment. I, I was just surprised that uh, those Youth League members from the Free State managed to uh, read a map to find their way to Latuli House, if you read Michael. that statement they released this week. Uh, let's talk about uh, what's going on in corporate South Africa, lest we be accused of bias here. And uh, really and truly now, investors must be raging at what's going on at Woolies. 
I like Ian Moyer. I think he's been, uh, he, I've always found him approachable. He's an affable fellow, but he made possibly the worst ever foreign acquisition in this country's business history with David Jones. It uh, sank Woolies into the proverbial locker, that deal. Investors have suffered as a result. The share price was at a high of 108 Rand in November of 2015. It's now in the low 30s. So that's 60 billion Rand's worth of value destruction there. Not all of that is down to David Jones. Uh, it, there's also a lot of SA Inc. Um, uh, risk off uh, into that, uh, but a big chunk is that transaction. And what, are the, what does the board do? What does the Remco do? They go and award the outgoing CEO with, well, what was the number, 43 million rand this year? Well, 43 million when he left. But, you know, I looked it up because he was appointed in 2010 and um, the David Jones debacle cost 21.5 billion rands, uh, yet he was taking home up until uh, September 2019, 191 million rands, and then as you say, a top up, if I can call it that, of 43 million to leave them alone. Well, that's 230 million rands for, as you say, one of the worst investments ever. Uh, and as a result of that, I went and had a look at who is the board. And there's the great and the good there. No surprises. But they've been totally ineffectual. They should be held to account. And it brings back the question I've asked before, how relevant and how effective of many, many, many boards of directors? You asked that of the boards of directors, but I'm going to go so far as to say, where are the shareholders in all of this, Jeremy? Because the shareholders are the ones should be, that, that really should be holding the board and the Remco to account here. They should be the ones at the AGMs um, asking the hard questions, asking to look at the long-term and the short-term incentive packages. After all, the shareholders are the ones who vote and sign off on these packages when they are presented to them at the AGMs. Where are the shareholders? Well, absolutely right. And the shareholders usually means the pension funds, the big financial groups. And you remember what happened a couple of years ago when a certain gentleman in Investec challenged Tongart Hewlett. He, he got pilloried. You know, he had to grovel and say, sorry, sorry, sorry. Meanwhile, he was totally correct. And that's where, where are the Sandlands and the old mutuals and the Alan Grays and all these people? Presumably, they are the major shareholders. I haven't checked who they, they are at Woolworths. But, you know, well... They've lost their spines, haven't they? And you're absolutely right. People generally aren't in any way raising a voice. That's why I have to say this week I was actually uh, quite surprised, and it surprised myself that I was full of praise for Kasatu for standing up against corruption. I don't agree with some of the things they do, but I thought, well, well done to you, because no one else seems to be standing up, although increasingly perhaps the sea is changing. Yeah, and uh, I suppose... Credit where it is due, uh, in increasingly we are seeing Labour uh, point to corruption and maladministration as the reason behind uh, our economic malaise. But there's an agenda as well behind that, Jeremy, because Kasato is trying to deflect away from the fact that our public wage bill is uh, bloated. If you ever tackle Kasato on the issue from Becky and Charlie and Charlie to Matthew Parks uh, to anyone inside the Labour movement, the first thing they do is point to corruption. It's a convenient convenient figly for them to say, oh, corruption, corruption, corruption. The fact of the matter remains that 60% uh, of our taxes are likely to go to paying civil servant salaries in a country where we need to build schools and infrastructure and deliver services. We have among the most uh, bloated civil services in the world. It is the elephant in the room and we do have to tackle it. Uh, I'm afraid the government 
probably didn't go about the, 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 the negotiations in the right way uh, with the finance minister ambushing Labour at the 11th hour before the budget. And that certainly angered Labour. But uh, Labour's got to understand there is just no more money in the cupboard to, to fund this uh, waste in, in terms of the, the blow to the civil service. Absolutely and totally agree. And then I would add, as we said before, that they haven't actually taken any uh, cuts in their salaries, in their packages, which the vast majority of everyone, if they still have a job, have had to take cuts. Um, They've carried on. And let's face it, they're not the most productive um, section of the economy. Uh, In fact, they've probably been less so in the last few months. And yet here they are asking for obscene amounts of increases. No, look, we, we've got to make some major adjustments. And as everyone says, no, don't waste a good uh, opportunity that we've got at the moment. Um, but no one is using that opportunity to cut. I have to say that talking to colleagues and friends in business, uh, those that are surviving are made, making major decisions. Sometimes they say, well, we put them off the last year or two years. But because of what's going on at the moment, either we can't put them off or now we're making that decision, we're being forced, because otherwise we won't survive as a business. Well, the same applies to a country. Will we survive economically if we don't do some serious cutting at the moment? And the answer is, well, do we relate to the IMF or do we relate to (laughs) bailouts? All will be be revealed in two weeks' time at the the medium-term budget policy statement, uh, or at least the intent. We don't tend to hear major sweeping announcements in the October statement, but the intent is what the market will be looking for, and uh, there is no more room. There really is no more room to play around. Uh, I think a special mention this week uh, from a a branding perspective is uh, the the cover of the Financial Mail, uh, and they they really have been producing some fantastic covers over the last twelve months. But the Star Wars cover is one of my favourites. Yes, and uh, then if you can get beyond the front cover and get to the article, it is absolutely fascinating. The, the figures they they talk about how people are moving now to buying online, and um, how there really is a war going on. Uh, Checkers you know, had a little bit of a bump when uh, Whitey Basson left, but now they're surging back and showing their muscle, pick and pay and spar, and so there's a fight going on. Also talking about you know, some of the other winners like Take-A-Lot, Home Deliveries, uh, and the share prices you know, of some of these companies have gone down quite seriously. So again, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. It's still small, though. If you look at it, um, it's likely online sales here to grow to 2% of the country's total retail turnover by the end of this year. It's, it's big growth because it's up from 1.4% two years ago, and it's a massive, massive market in the hundreds of billions. But yet for all of that, that two-figure is still a tiny drop by global standards. So a long way to go. And I think there are a lot of very interesting disruptors in this space uh, that uh, one could uh, well take a punt on to either uh, partner with one of the bigger retailers or, or come in uh, and uh, and start eating lunch uh, out of their out of their hands as uh, as well. So a very interesting article. Did read the full thing in the FM, uh, a bumper issue of uh, of the FM this week. And uh, I think Rob Rowe is doing a fantastic job there. Trump and brand Trump. Uh, love him or hate him, he finds a way to be top of the news cycle. Well, it is quite amazing. You know, when you always say, you know, if you're in branding, 
make sure people don't talk about the competition, talk about the opposition. We want them just to talk about you, and even if they see some or say some nasty things about you, well, so what? They're still talking about you. He's giving an absolute masterclass at the moment of pushing the opposition, pushing everyone else out of the screen, as it were, and dominating it. And, you know, he seems to have so many tricks up his sleeve. Um, I think people are beginning to wonder if he isn't a bit delusional. Um, I know to some people are saying, well, actually, he's on so many drugs and a cocktail of drugs at the moment. Is he actually in a stable state to be the commander-in-chief of the United States? But the fact of the matter is that he is the commander-in-chief. He is making the decisions, and he's causing chaos. You know, you only have to look at the stock markets around the world, how they're going up and down like yo-yos, depending on the latest thing he said. I still think Trump's going to be re-elected. Uh, I don't care what the polls are saying. They got it horribly wrong in 2016. And uh, I expect to see uh, a Trump re-election. Good for markets. Just lastly, as we've got a minute to go, Jeremy, I see that uh, brand finance, uh, brand value has now been included in the UN's Global Innovation Index for the first time. Uh, so uh, a chapeau for that, a real feather in brand finance's cap. Uh, what is that brand value all about? Basically, it's something that WIPO, the World Intellectual Property Organization, produced with the United Nations. They've been doing it for the last 13 years. Uh, and they look at the leading uh, economies globally um, where it's exciting what's going on when it comes to innovation. The leader is Hong Kong at the moment. And it's very interesting how you know, they draw the line between Hong Kong, linking it up to Chinese mainland, and saying that the way the Chinese economy is going and the impact Hong Kong is going to have on it means that by about 2030, the Chinese GDP is going to overtake the United States. So it's very, very interesting. South Africa comes in at 22. It's a very high position, and uh, it's worth actually going into that report, which is on the Brand Finance website. I think we'll do that uh, next week with Jeremy Sampson, uh, the brand father. Always uh, happy to chat to you about uh, innovation and branding. Jeremy, thanks for your time. Thanks, Michael.